Hi, this is David Perry, Senior Vice President of the Pac-12 Network of Sales and Integrated Marketing, and I am here with the ADC Partners Podcast. This episode's guest, David Perry, and I go back a little over 20 years. We've never actually worked at the same company or done any deals together, but we've more or less wandered the wilderness that is sports business together. I always love talking to him because he's done a little of everything in the sports world. Like He's sold for teams like the Golden State Warriors and the Philadelphia Eagles. He's created partnerships for entertainment properties like Warren Miller Entertainment. He's been an entrepreneur and worked in sports apparel world. Like I said, you know, the man has perspective. Knowing all that is why I was looking forward to talking to DP about the current state of college sports. I mean, it's been a crazy few months on campus, right? I mean, name, image, likeness, more conference realignments, stadiums are full again after a season off from COVID. And from his perch as the Senior Vice President of Integrated Partnerships at the Pac-12 Network, he's got a unique look into what's going on and how corporate partners are responding. Hope you enjoy our conversation. DP, how you doing? I'm doing well, Dave. Thank you so much for allowing me to join your podcast. Allowing you? Oh, you know, David, I think it's safe to say that you have a standing invitation to be on the podcast anytime you want. As a matter of fact, when I'm interviewing other people, I hope you'll just call in and and make comments. Well, you know, I um, now that I know that, I will, just because I, I've known you for a few years now. And uh, uh, though we have never really worked side by side, I feel like I know you like a brother. So I will, I will take you up on that. I it's sort of falling into the "be careful what I wish for" category. That could get uh, out of hand pretty quick. Although you know, who knows? We could take this thing on the road pretty soon. Now it's true that you and I have never like worked on the same team, or we've never been on opposite sides of the table doing that kind of thing. But you know, we're kind of always sort of been. Um, you know, working on like college related stuff together, or always swapping stories about some of the things that we see and some of the things that we're doing. I think it's kind of crazy that college sports were at one point considered to be this like, oh, it's kind of easygoing, quaint, a little quiet part of the sports business world. You know, it's where people can go to have like an easier day than they would say maybe the NFL or the NBA, which were you know, moving at lightning speed. And then like conference realignment took the first version, shook things up and now we've got conference realignment 2.0 and you know, there's crazy bidding wars for the rights and everything like that. Now you're involved in the creation of the alliance. I mean, this is not our grandfather's college sports anymore. Talk a little bit about what's happening at the Pac-12 Networks from, from your perspective. Is it exciting? Is it overwhelming? Is it some sort of excitewhelming kind of combination of the two? Like, what, what are you looking at these days? What's it like from your seat? Well, you started off by saying how crazy it is, right? It is exciting and overwhelming. I'm not quite sure the, the word you use because I don't know if it's actually a word, Dave. But <laughs> nevertheless, um, um, yes, I think it's all the I think it's all the above. But I think it's it's great for everybody in the collegiate uh, space and in particularly fans. I mean, I think mm. the fans will benefit from all the things that um, are up and and a part of college athletics right now, right? I think the impacts of NIL will be positive. Mm. Uh, as, as a fan, I worry, you know, because there's always a few bad apples in the bunch. But I think in general terms, um, it's great for the athletes, uh, especially when you talk about athletes in the Olympic sports um, who sometimes get uh, overshadowed by the, by, the, by the big sports. 
Um, so now they have an opportunity to get more exposure um, and get what they deserve for all their hard work for the schools that they represent. And I think it's going to be great for the schools. I think that the schools, it just gives them more exposure on um, on their on on who they are and, and why students uh, should go there. And not only just uh, student athletes, but the, the general population of students. And then when you talk about you know, realignment. It's, uh, I really can't speak to it. I'm not really in those rooms, but, um, oh, but I, I know I your ear is to the door. I mean, you're listening as those yeah, conversations yeah. are going on for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I think the Alliance is exciting. There's still a lot to be determined to see where, what it will, where it will go. But my, my perception is that, you know, it was really meant to build the foundation so that, uh, the traditions of college athletics in particular football and basketball, mm. uh, will stay intact. Yeah. Right. That's that's why uh, us as fans, we we love college sports is is the traditions, the matchups, the rivalries. Uh, and I think the alliance is is a way to make sure that that footprint stays somewhat intact. Anything can change. We, we don't know what the future will entail, but I think that that was the the core purpose. And we'll see, you know, how it how it transforms from there. I'm interested like in your perspective on this, because, you know, you and I go way back. And I mean, you have been involved with selling sports on like a crazy number of different ways, right? You've done it on the team side with the Golden State Warriors and the Philadelphia Eagles, right? So you've got that background. You've done entertainment with Warren Miller. You know, you did sports media, like more traditional sports media with, with home team sports. Give a little perspective on, with that range of experience, how does college like, how, how is it like exciting and how is it challenging compared to some of those other properties that you've sold in the past yeah i mean i i would first off say that um i think it's more exciting only because i've got a passion for college athletics yeah. and, and being able to build uh revenue platforms and and bring brands into the space because it all funnels down and supports uh, student athletes mm. um so that that makes it much more um it make it creates a passion port for me rather than it just being strictly revenue driven, it really has a, uh, every dollar has a purpose. Yeah. Versus just lining the pockets of a billionaire a little bit more, maybe. Yeah. I mean, it really helps it. It really in, impacts the, the environment of our student athletes. So that's, that's pretty cool as far as how it shapes out with the, with the other properties that I've worked at, there's definitely tighter guardrails within uh, college athletics yeah. with regards to how we can sell, what we can sell, stay within compliance, uh, make sure that, especially in this new NIL space, which we're taking a very conservative approach with uh, and, and really um, kind of taking two or three steps back. Yep. The reality is, is that um, in college athletics, you just, you definitely have a lot more um, uh, compliance issues that you, you don't have to even consider in the pro team space or if you're working at home team sports or Fox. Yeah. Um, um, and certainly when I was on the publication side and production side at Warren Miller Films and, and Ski Magazine, I mean, there you've really got the freedom to do as much as you can creatively um, um, create for your brand um, that, you're, that you're representing. Um, so that's the, biggest, that's the biggest difference is that we move a little slower because we have to. We gotta be a little bit more careful and cautious so that we don't uh, overstep our boundaries with regards to 
uh, the, the fundamental policies of, of college athletics. It's probably a great example of that is like sports gambling, right? You know, you look at the NFL and now where they have like 437 sports gambling partners or somewhere in the ballpark like that. That is not something that college sports is just going to jump in with both feet and say, woohoo, we're in the pool too, swimming around, right? I mean, have you had discussion? I mean, it's a fast growing part of the ecosystem for for sports business is that something that's talked about it in, in your in your offices and what's the current feeling about that particular category yeah well being being the lead in sales um i would love to see all those categories open up <laughs> you're like you let's know, get I'd cannabis category open up i'd love to see uh, sports <laughs> betting open up but i understand why uh, uh we can't right now but i will say that it's something that we always talk about um, and it's really up to the schools to make those decisions. So, yeah, uh, if I'm just being the salesman that uh, I natu- naturally wake up to be, I feel like it's a missed opportunity and I'm running in place because I would love to be able to, to capture the free marketplace that's going on in that category. Sure. Uh, and I think that there'll be a ton of place, right? I mean, most of our most of our schools are in states that it's still not legal. Okay. Um, I, think in, I think it's only in two states right now, Colorado and maybe Arizona, because I think it came up for vote just recently, or it's going to be coming up for vote in, in Arizona. But otherwise, it's, um, you know, a lot of the a lot of the states that our schools are in, um, the, the state still has to pass a uh, law for sports betting anyway. So okay. we, we're really, we, we wouldn't be able to do it, even if we wanted to. All right. So you talked a little bit about the challenges associated sometimes with college. You have to move slower. There are guardrails, right? We all know, right? Because colleges just operate differently than, say, a pro or an entertainment property like Warren Miller. Do you have to do a lot of education with the partners to get them to understand like, why something they may do with a pro partner might not work with a college property that they're involved with? Are they understanding of that kind of stuff? Is that process long and is it fairly involved? Uh, surprisingly, you know, well, I shouldn't say even surprisingly, most major brands that are already you know, already in the space and have a large sports portfolio of properties where they are sponsors, they understand pretty quickly. They mm-hmm. know exactly what they're getting into from the beginning. Uh, I think it's the emerging brands and brands that I would call, you know, kind of in the mid-majors. They're they're, they're brands that are not necessarily big brands that you think about when you think about college sports. Uh, is, you know, they're not the Dr. Peppers or the 76 or the New York Lives of the world, but um, they may be just starting to spend in, in college. Yeah. And there is an education process. But the great thing is, is that you know, most, of, most of these leaders uh, for brands that we speak with understand the, the dynamics because there's so much talk about policies from the NCAA or from schools or for the conferences themselves that they know that it's, it's going to move a little slower. So I would say that even though it may be frustrating for them at times, they don't really tell us. <laughs> they don't uh, illustrate that in conversation. And seem to be, they're not coming and knocking on your door at night and saying, "What the yeah, hell?" Yeah, exactly. You know, they they're 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 far more tolerant and patient than I think they may even lead on to be. But usually, the conversations are always very flexible um, and very strategic. So it hasn't been much of a problem when we're when we're engaging in those conversations. What about the rapidly changing landscape? Right, I mean, you brought up NIL 
before. And I think there's so many folks that are kind of, it's the wild rest right now. It's like people jumping into this and companies getting involved with it. And, you know, deals are being made for like, you know, hey, we're going to give free pizzas to the offensive linemen. And, you know, it's it's pretty crazy right now. Do you find your partners are looking to you all for, hey, what's going on here and what should we be doing? Or, or is it your perception that's still kind of a wait and see approach? to NIL on behalf of the partners? Uh, both. I, I think there are some brands that are curious enough to ask the question. Unfortunately, we can't really give them a lot of answers because it's it's like the, the digital age in the early 2000s where every mm. day it's different. Every day there's a different answer to, this, to the, the same questions. So, uh, and I think most people understand that. And there are some, you know, there are some agencies out there that have popped up pretty quickly that are experts in the space and they've done a pretty good job of corralling brands and, and, and getting them educated on where the opportunities exist or don't exist and and where they, you know, what things they need to, to, to think about. Uh, like I said earlier, I mean, we're, we're have a kind of a standoff approach because there's really, we got to be really careful because uh, to be a consultant or to answer certain questions, you know, puts us in a situation where we could, we could be in that pay-to-play space, which we do not want to be in. Mm. Um, so we we really are hands-off. We really push those questions towards the agency experts that are outside of the conference space because we just don't want to get involved in, in, a, in an area that we're not supposed to be in or are uncomfortable with or just don't have enough information to be intelligent and give the right advice. Right. It's the uh, it's the confidence to be able to say, I don't have the answers to that. Let me direct you to somebody who can versus the lack of confidence then going and saying, sure, here's what I think it's going to be. And then having to backpedal when you learn that, in fact, that's not exactly the that, case. That's absolutely correct. What I should have said from the get go. <laughs> exactly. Here's here's what I should have said. I have no idea. <laughs> It's amazing how actually effective that can be as long as you go back and you know, make sure that you're providing things in the, in the right direction. When you look at the, uh, the NIL space, I mean, I think at the end of the day, we're not, we're not going to be even remotely close to that business. However, mm-hmm. if new brands or other brands decide to build incremental budgets to support those student-athletes or specific student-athletes, the conferences or the, not the conferences, but the networks, all of the networks, are going to be the ones that probably benefit from increased advertising because we will be the closest point to make the connection between whomever they've invested in and the audience that they want to speak to. It kind of goes back to the old saw about, right, you know, you have have two costs in partnerships, right? It's the cost to acquire and the cost to activate. Correct. And if NIL is the cost to acquire, the the Pac-12 network then becomes the logical extension on how to activate that partnership and make sure that people are aware of the, the relationship between the partner and the Pac-12 athlete. I would say that's that's correct. So I, we may, I, you know, and I'm in a little bit of this is a guess uh, on forecasting what the future may tell, but we may see increased spends with with advertisers on our network. But I think that that that's about the biggest benefit that we'll see. Otherwise, we're going to stay pretty far away from it. With all the changes going on, are your, do you hear from your partners? Are they like, oh, this is excellent. Look at all these new opportunities. Or are they like, oh, just make it stop enough already. Keep the conferences the way they are. I, I don't want to hear about NAL. Is, where, where does it fall on that spectrum? Yeah, probably on the more conservative approach, you know, like we've been talking about. You, you know, um, we'd, rather be, we'd rather be talking about the passion of our fans, value, right. the value of why you would want to spend with the Pac-12 and the value of the network and our reach, you know, um, some of the real traditional and, and 
and basic components of conversation when talking to, to brands or prospects because uh, it's just too early to tell what what's really going to happen. I mean, there are a lot of groups out there selling college sports, right? I mean, in addition to folks at the conference level like you, I mean, you've got major networks are selling, you know, multimedia rights holders like Learfield and JMI, they're out there selling. Do you find it hard to differentiate what it is you're bringing to the table versus these others? Or is the Pac-12 brand so strong that everybody automatically knows what it is you're bringing to the table and the value compared to some of those other, uh, some of those other people out there doing that? Yeah. I mean, it's that, that's, that's still what we have to overcome in the conversation is mm-hmm. showing why, why the, the PAC 12 is better than any other option. If you're trying to reach fans in in, in this particular space of, of, of college athletics. Right. So there's no, there's no real easy answer because a lot of it is based on uh, the strategic objectives and needs of the client, as you know, you okay. that too, yeah. right. So every conversation seems to be different because the, obviously the strategy is different from brand to brand, from company to company. But that being said, you know, the great thing is, is that with all the excitement that's been going on with the Pac-12 since the NCAA tournament, you know, the, the women's game uh, um, has increased some excitement. Uh, there's definitely much more conversations and appeal to supporting women's athletics in the college space. That's exciting for me. I think it's, it's really great. Um, with everything else that's been going on in our country, you know, we're finding that brands are far more conscious of uh, the of DEI and wanting to uh, support those type of initiatives, um, as we kind of call, you know, um, uh, sponsorship with a pur- purpose. Uh, that purpose is is leading to support, you know, equality and equal rights, and 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 reflecting that all of us are in this soup together, uh, and all of us uh, have a fair share and a fair shot for our dreams and futures. That which is the reason why we all go to school and, and, and we have student athletes in the first place. It's probably no surprise. I mean, women's sports has started to become more important at the college level. I mean, you see, you know, the popularity and more sponsors getting involved in the NWSL. We just had a great conversation the other day with Jess Smith, who's the director of revenue or head of revenue down in Angel City and the things that they're doing and the story that she's able to tell right now. So the fact that you are seeing that happen more um, specifically at the Pac-12 network is really heartening. And I'm wondering if there's other, are there other quote unquote non-revenue sports that are beginning to increase in profile as well along with that? Or is it pretty much still football and basketball? Well, if we're talking specifically about um, the women's game, you know, basketball is definitely at the top of uh, the, mm. the hill, but there still is an enormous amount of interest in women's soccer for all the great success that they've been having uh, with the national team, right? Uh, mm. There's There's been an enormous amount of success, especially with the Pac-12 in gymnastics. You know, if you saw all of those posts that went viral with the with the athletes on the UCLA team, that's, mm-hmm. that has spurred some big interest for our network from brands who want, want to, to want to be attached to that and, and want to help support and grow that sport. And then of course, uh, the, 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 probably the other one, uh, would be, would be softball. You know, it seems as if softball is beginning to, to pick up a little bit. Um, and for us baseball, I don't know if you saw the news, but we are, um, we are going to have a baseball conference championship tournament down in Arizona starting this, uh, this spring. Uh, that's going to be awesome. Yeah. Which is going to be our, I mean, that's, that's 
Where do I pick up my pro- tickets? Property will be, um, you know, a men's baseball, and so yeah, I think we're we're seeing uh, we're seeing a request, uh, and we're seeing more interest from brands supporting those sports. Do you feel like brands are having new priorities for what they want to try to accomplish? with college sports than what you've seen in the past? I, yeah, I think they want to, they're digging a little deeper. You know, I think the mm. the nuances of the digital ecosystem is creating an environment where brands are being much more sophisticated and targeting where their dollar is going. Yeah, all right. So, DP, in these kinds of conversations with you are always great. I mean, you and I had like three or four conversations leading up to this recording that went on for like 30 minutes, 45 minutes talking about a, your inability to sign into Skype, but also all about, you know, college sports and everything that goes on the history of sales and just, you know, shooting the breeze about all the different things they were doing. So thanks for spending the time with me today to, to hash out some of the stuff and talk about the dynamic world that is college sports. But before I let you go, I'm going to ask you to make some guaranteed lock predictions oh. before out the door ready. So these are, these are being recorded for posterity. So we will be able to roll them back in a few years and see how accurate you were. Are you ready? <laughs> well, first of all, you know, the conversations that we've had before have been probably a little bit more in depth than what we have today because there usually means, you know, a, a glass of wine or two before we get <laughs> or, or two. I'm sure there might be even more in, in I think people will probably not be surprised that you and I had a conversation. Oh, we should do this at a bar (laughs) and we should have a couple of drinks and we should go early. So the before the crowd gets there. So, you know, clearly I think you can, everybody who's listening can draw the conclusions for themselves, whether or not we actually did that. So I'd be better at this challenge if we were in that environment, but I'll give it a shot. All right. I just want you to get in your headspace. Here we go. First question. Will the big 12 still be around in two years? Yes. Is that how I should answer it? So guaranteed, guaranteed lock. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Second one. Will a Pac-12 football team make it to the CFP in the next two years? Yes. Which one now? Listen. These are not easy. These are not fair questions. First of all, these are absolutely these, fair. These, I wrote these, them these down. I'm looking right at because, them. That makes them fair. Because you got to remember. I mean, I'm a fan, right? So I. I I'm a fan, and so my answer is always going to lean towards positivity to the Pac-12 and the teams and the schools. So, you know, I'm not going to – I haven't even asked you the hardest question yet. All right, fine. All right, okay. It was a softball then. All right, but here comes the hardest one. This is a math one. Of the eight teams that make it to the men's and women's Final Four, how many will be from the Pac-12? This upcoming year. This upcoming year. Two. Two. Of the eight teams, two. Again, again, I'm telling you that these are not fair questions (laughs) because I'm a fan. So if I'm going to be a fan, then I would say eight. Then you you heard it. You heard it here first. For all the sports gamblers that are listening, you want to take David Perry's comment that all eight teams in the men's and women's Final Four are going to be from the Pac-12. You heard That's it here. That's exactly why you I heard it here first. By the way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> David Perry, thanks, man. Always great to hear from you. Great to chat. And uh, I look forward to yeah, doing Dave, it again thank soon. Thank you so much as well. And uh, love the conversation and love to, to join you again. Thanks for listening to this ADC Partners podcast. For more information about ADC Partners, please visit our website at adcpartners.com. <laughs>